We are going to start with the Ecclesiastes prayer. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Whatever has come to be has already been named. It is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with the one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell a man what will be after him under the sun? Ecclesiastes six ten through 12. Today, the most important thing to hold on to with this scripture are the questions. The questions being asked here are for the rest of the book. This is a transitional section bridging together the first half of Ecclesiastes to the second half. The other important part is to remember that the entity being alluded to is God. While God is never specifically named, he is the he being referred to here. He is the one we don't dispute with, and he is the one that answers each question posed. I found it I found it humorous that I ended up preaching here because again it is a section of scripture that offers little more than a lack of hope and the questioning of what the is the point. The commentator Amy Plantiga Pau wrote these statements about this section. There is nothing reassuring about God's presence. And what humans are is dust, fragile, transient creatures who live on borrowed breath. How much more could a section be for me than this? We live on borrowed breath. I love that the way those words sound and settle around me, borrowed breath. Even the air I am taking in and out is not mine to control. I like to think of my per- myself as a person in control of my life, but if I pull back the view at all, I instantly see that I am definitely not, and not even a major player in the reality of control. My borrowed breath is no more under control than the weather, what, than what the weather will do. Which seems ironic to me, because I spend a large portion of my days trying to explain to my kids that they are in control of themselves and can handle themselves at a better level than they do. And I am sure they are hearing me say we have no control and saving it for when they hit each other and throw at me, you said we have no control. But that is not the control I am talking about. You and I are in control of our own bodies, minds, decisions, and choices. But there are things that will happen to us every day that we have no control over. We could make every right health decision out there in our our entire lives and our breath stop. We could make every wrong decision and live long lives. We could live somewhere in between and be hit by a bus and stop breathing. It is not our control that determines our breath. Where does this leave us? In a limbo of control or no control. In a state of feeling that tug and pull of the reality of here and there. Whatever has come has already been named, and it is known to man what is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. What we, we have what feels like a million things we are in charge of figuring out in our day-to-day lives. Jobs, chores, marriage, kids, death, life, meals, sports, pets, and the needs of those around us and ourselves constantly being thrown at us. We have internal choices tossed our way, decisions that affect who we are as people. Some are easy for for most of us to make, like don't steal, don't run the slow people over crossing the street. 
offer help where, where you can. Some are harder and more complicated, internal conflicts between you and the Holy Spirit. These, are the, these ones are the choices that live in our hearts and soul that scare us the most, choices that change the course of our lives, that if we fail at them, we will feel like we have failed at life. Every time I write a sermon, I have to pray through and against the lie that if I don't get it right, I will have ruined everything. This is a new path that I never even considered I would be on. I never wanted to preach. Being a writer is the first dream I ever can remember having, and I knew God told me I would teach people around eight years ago, and I thought honestly I had lost it because the avenue I had was taken away. I was left with a hollow feeling and an unfed desire from God in my soul. I would occasionally bring it up to him, but mostly I set it aside because I knew God would work it out if that was what he wanted. If you had asked me all those years what it meant that God wanted me to teach, I would have laid out a completely different path in life. I didn't know what was about to happen to my life. I assumed the church I was at was the church I would always be at, and that the years spent laying the foundation bricks would be for the plans that I had. God knew differently. God knew eight years ago I would stand here and preach, teaching his word, and it wouldn't be easy to get here. The dash in between those years is filled with the battles, pains, scars, good times, laughter, tears, nude challenges, and old memories. They were, there were lots of moments I simply gave up and told God that his plan made no sense, so I wouldn't be doing it. Places where hope stopped reaching and everything was too dark to make sense of the light. Do you know what I learned through all that, though? That it didn't matter. I tried carefully with those words because it all matters so much to the point, point where my bones shake with the knowledge that every step we take is ingrained into our souls. But also, it simply does not matter that everything I prepared for and planned for fell apart, because it is never my plan that mattered. It is, and always was, God's plan that mattered. I can stand and do throw, I can and do throw a lot of fits at God. I actually highly recommend getting pissed off at God every once in a while and letting it all out because after the storm, when the calm sets in, is when his voice is the clearest. But in all my fits, I never changed God's mind about what would happen. There is a complete freedom in that. This section of transitional hopeless scripture is about freedom in Christ. We can try whatever we want and fail at each thing, plan for all the things, build perfect spreadsheets, make hundreds of lists, cry and throw our fits because we can never take away the control God has. That is so restful. No matter the wild storms we ride through, the calm afterward is him. You can't fight a tornado, earthquake, tsunami, flood, or heat wave and change the weather. You can't fight God and change his mind. The more words, the more vanity. What is the advantage to man? The commentator Pow said this about this line, their words are even less substantial than they are. We are the people that are being called uns- unsubstantial, and our words are the ones that are even less. At first glance, I find this offensive. Words are what I live by. Words hold an incredible amount of power, grace, and authority. I have a list of words that I like that are written on a piece of scrap paper that hangs on my bulletin board. They aren't special words, just words that I like to hear and write down because I like the way they feel in my mouth and sound in my ear. It is also unsettling that this line mentions the more words, the more vanity, while I am using words to write about this scripture. 
Words are an extremely important part of life. We all need words to be heard, and we all need words to hear. What does this le- where does this leave us, then, if our words are mere vanity? To the, the grace to listen, and the grace that when we speak, we don't save the world and have all the answers. We don't have to be right every time. We don't have to speak every time. We don't have to fill the silences with long-winded answers and words to we want to make a point with. This is hard to do, especially as a parent, because I know sometimes I am 100% right and I could give the right answer, and yet all my words tumble out onto ears that do not want to listen. I could keep talking in vain and keep offering words, but all I'll be left with is frustration on my part and an unwilling heart that chooses not to hear truth. Sometimes I must take myself out of the equation and trust the Holy Spirit to speak true truth into the moment. Our only advantage is that we have the wisdom of God on our side, that we are not the plants or animals of the world. We can listen for the words from God to speak. We can read the words of God. In our current world, we are bombarded with noise and words near constantly. We are, are we allowing enough silence to hear God, or are we so focused on filling the spaces with, we have with our own vanity that we can't hear him? Words matter. How you speak to yourself and others matters. Do you listen for grace, or do you listen for yourself? For who knows what good is for man? Sorry, for who knows what is good for man while he lives a few days of his vain life, which passes like a shadow? I like this line partially because of how it is worded, but partially I like it because it reminds me of myself. When I am mad or annoyed or throwing one of those fits I mentioned earlier, I lean, tend to lean towards being a fatalist. When something is wrong, I often say something along the lines of, what does it matter? We die anyway. Or why should I care? Because nothing works out for me anyway. You can ask Jim to confirm that, that when I see a rough patch, my go-to response is to throw up my hands and say, why even try? What good is man if he is only living for a few vain days? We certainly aren't fixing anything in this world, and we aren't going to. But I don't think it is really saying we shouldn't try. I just think it is encouragement to try whatever you want to do, to go out on that limb and risk because you don't know where it will all lead. We will pass through like shadows. Our presence in the grand scheme of the scene of life will make little difference. Take rest in that and do what God has put in your heart. For who can tell man what will be after, what will be after him under the sun? We can risk it and we can try because only one that can tell us what will be after is God. Remember, I said the answer to all the questions is God. I cannot guarantee my next breath or yours. I cannot promise that we say or do will be worth it and right. I cannot offer the comfort we seek that we are making the right choices. Only God can. Only through practice and patience can we understand what he wants. And a lot of times what that means is messing it up and getting it wrong first. We can risk being wrong. We can risk needing grace. We can let go of the control we don't have. We can acknowledge and accept the vanity that we, that we are because we don't rely on ourselves. We live under the gospel of Jesus, which means all discouraging, hopeless texts of Ecclesiastes is really just a reminder of the freedom 
for us to take the big leaps and risk it. The author of this book did not have Jesus. They did not understand that grace would cover them. If I didn't have Jesus to forgive and wipe away my sins, I can only imagine how fearful I would live my life. As I wrote this sermon, I thought to myself, I wish there was a way to offer a playback of what was happening around me while I did it. How many times I had to stop writing to discipline a child, and the times that I got annoyed and did it wrong because I just wanted to finish. Or the times no one was in control and arguing over nothing. I did not write this in a bubble. I did not rise to a new level of holiness where when I started preaching in my life was filled, my life is still filled with dysfunction and frustration. That held me up for so many years, carrying this invisible weight that I would have to get it right before I could do and be what God wanted. How do I teach when I still know nothing? That's the point. I will always know nothing because the wisdom I need isn't mine. I need the Holy Spirit to step in every single day. Every single time I want to accomplish anything, from the laundry to being a good friend to writing sermons, I am in desperate need of his wisdom. We are in desperate need of his wisdom. The questions are all really asking the same thing, and are we willing to let go of our own agendas and vanity and let him lead us?